times yeah. during today, you've talked about raw and gear. Can you, for those of us that are, don't know anything about powerlifting, can you kind of tell us about that? Because you, even in the documentary that they mentioned about raw becoming a little bit more popular. So can you kind of like flesh that out for us? Yeah. So, uh, when powerlifting started, powerlifting started in the sixties, it's a very young sport. Um, despite how simple it is, uh, <laughs> it has not been around forever. It's only about 50, 55 years old. I think the first sanctioned meet. So when it first started, they said, you cannot wear anything that aids in the completion of the lift. They said that would be called equipment. So you couldn't wear belts. You couldn't wear wrist wraps or knee sleeves or knee wraps. You had to go out there in a singlet and just of your own physical power complete the lift. Well, then uh, Olympic lifting by this time was allowing belts uh, because belts provide a little bit of support and keep people, you know, they help athletes not to herniate their discs. So uh, the athletes eventually said, you know, like there's no real sense in us risking a herniated disc, you know, uh, it doesn't aid the lift that much. So previous, the previously outlawed power belts in the early seventies, they started letting people wear power belts. Uh, and thus equipped lifting was born. Um, and then they started letting people wear wrist wraps because they figured, you know, well, when guys are benching and squatting so much, that's so much pressure on the wrists. It's dangerous to have your wrist cocked back into a super vulnerable position. Mm -hmm. Let's let them wear wrist wraps. And then guys said, well, you know, it, it, this sport's really rough on your knees. <laughs> what if we had something like that around your knee? It sounds like a hover tank. And, and, <laughs> uh -huh. and at first they said, well, well, you know, no, we can't, ha we can't have the wrist wraps that aids in the completion of the lift. We can't have knee wraps that, that helps to extend your knee. We can't have something that literally through compression and elasticity aids in the completion of the lift by extending a joint artificially. Uh, but everyone liked lifting that stuff. It's more comfortable. It meant that you, you know, were less prone to injury. It meant that you had more longevity in the sport. And eventually everyone got together and was like, okay, we'll allow that. Then in the late seventies, uh, they didn't really have rules about the singlets. You know, it was just, you had to wear a singlet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so somebody eventually, you know, they start wearing their singlets tighter and tighter. And then eventually somebody said, well, I'm going to use a different material for my singlet. So they used a, a stretchy canvas, this company called Marathon. And that became the squat suit. It became a really tight compression singlet made out of canvas. And that compression around the hips, um, the hardest part of a lift uh, in terms of the, the wear and the tear and the shear on your body and the greatest risk of injury, the hardest part of a lift is that reversal phase. So it's reversing the weight, getting it to come back up off your chest in a bench press. Mm -hmm. Or in a squat, it's, uh, you know, stopping that downward momentum towards the bottom and then coming back up. Because in order to stop, your, your muscles tense up and the flesh has to bind up around the joint. It's a, it's a, a relatively, you know, within the sport, and powerlifting is ultimately a, a pretty safe sport. It's very low injury rates. 
relative to other sports because you're moving so slow. Mm-hmm. But um, it's still, that's a lot of wear and tear every time you're reversing that bar, especially for raw lifters, guys who do not wear a supportive canvas or poly uh, material suits or denim. And the first suits, uh, the first sort of powerlifting gear was often made of denim. So it would feel like you were squatting in, say, a really tight pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, they're resisting that downward mom- uh, momentum. And they'd be reinforced in the stitching so that they didn't just blow out. Um, but as time went on, just people kept using, you know, better stitching. And they kept using different cuts. And they kept using uh, thicker and more resilient uh, types of canvas and types of denim and types of poly materials until eventually these suits started to add, you know, the first ones, maybe they added like 10, 20 pounds to your lift. Oh, goodness. And then, you know, but now, uh, like I have a pair of, uh, of double ply briefs. And I can get a hundred pounds out of them and they're pretty loose. If you give me good briefs, I think I can get 150 pounds out of them. Can I wear that? Um, (laughs) Sure. Can I do that? Can you like move in them very well? Uh, you can't like run in them um, because they would also resist your leg coming up. So just max lift. But, uh, you could waddle. I could probably like clean in them. Okay. That's fine. I mean, strong men, they wear, they wear gear as well. Hmm. Uh, they're just, again, they're a much smarter sport mm-hmm. and they're not, uh, because they have a very clear cut professional ranks. You won't see anyone saying, oh, well, Eddie Hall deadlifted 1100 pounds, but he was wearing gear mm-hmm. because they celebrate their champions rather than try and have a reason or a means to tear them down for their average competitors to equate themselves with someone who was far superior to them. Okay. It's funny you say that because I never even realized that in strongman that they are wearing. I don't even, yeah, I never even. Yeah. It's because they, they wear, they wear, uh, oftentimes what are called like power pants or, uh, those sound pretty cool. I want to wear some of those. (laughs) Yeah. I got my power pants on. (laughs) Yeah. They look just like, I mean, they, they literally look just like, like compression shorts, except that they're made of like, a canvas. Uh-huh. Wow. And they hold your hips together. You know, you avoid a lot of hip injuries with them. Uh, they give you a little added power. Uh, but in a sport, like look at sports like strongman too, where the guys who are, you know, look at strongman, you know, Zadrunas Savickas was on top of strongman, you know, one of the top two or three competitors for, you know, close to two decades. Brian Shaw has been one of the top, you know, three competitors for a decade plus. Uh, Hap Thor has been one of the top like five competitors for the last probably six or seven years. Um, Part of that is those guys wear gear Mm -hmm. and the sport doesn't want, you know, the sport wants their big name brands. So they, they want to do anything that's going to support the health and longevity of uh, their athlete versus mm, makes sense. in powerlifting. They don't care that five years ago, the best 10 years ago, the best geared lifter uh, 
the best geared lifters were like Dave Hoff and Donnie Thompson. Uh, and, and like Chuck Vogelpohl, but Chuck had been, he had been one of the top geared lifters for 20 years. Ed Cohn, he wore gear. He was one of the top lifters for 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Raw lifting has been popular for a decade. And in that decade, um, you've already seen probably three full generations of lifters come and go. Mm-hmm. No one who was in the top 10, 10 years ago is in the top 10 today. Mm-hmm. And yet Dave Hoff still going, mm-hmm. you know, the top single ply lifters still pretty much the same. Mm. A little bit of added support goes a really long way in terms of preserving those top level athletes. So that's another thing, Mm. you know, football. If you take away the shoulder pads and you take away the helmets, the guys aren't going to last as long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll be dead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they celebrate that in every other sport. They celebrate guys showing ingenuity to keep themselves in the game. But powerlifting is, yeah, this, it's this weird crabs in a bucket thing that I think again is largely because there's no separation between amateur and pro. Why is there not a pro card? Um, I mean, there's a pro total, uh, uh, but there's still, there are so few like pro only events. Uh, there is a bigger push now to have, you know, these sort of money meets Mm -hmm. and invitational events. Mm -hmm. Um, on the geared side, you have the WPO, uh, on the raw side, you have events like big dogs and pro raw out in Australia that have done a really good job of this. Um, you have things like boss of bosses or the Kern, um, that have done a good job of this, but still for so much of the sport, you, you have pros who compete or guys who, you know, you would consider to be part of that upper echelon, like pro class. Mm -hmm they compete in these like mixed sort of meets where like you a know, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Like a pro am where it's, it's just so hard to take, you know, uh, it, it's so hard to convince everyone that this platform is really elite and special and noteworthy when three quarters of the guys up there doing it have only been in the sport for, you know, two years or less. Okay. So you don't have that hero status like you were talking about with CrossFit. Yeah, you don't have that hero status. And so few of them, uh, you know, so many of these people as a result, um, by the time they kind of build up a name, especially on the raw side, by the time they build up a name and a following, a lot of the times they're, they're done. pretty much done. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they're, they're, on, they're just barely holding together. Their body just can't take uh, that anymore. Yeah, it's it's like being an NFL running back, you know. Uh, by the time you know a running back's name, you know, by the time they have ubiquitous sort of household name cachet, they turn 30. They're not yep. Yeah, they're not good anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, by the time everyone knew who Jamal Charles was, he was already he on the down. He could no longer make a roster. Yeah. You know, like you know, it's funny um, you say that about the the sanctions because I think that's what Olympic weightlifting did really well a couple of years ago is so if you're an Olympic weightlifter you know, you had nationals, American Open, okay. Then mm-hmm. if you did well at those, then you go Pan Ams and Worlds. But you had to be on Team USA in essence to, to qualify for that, and you would be. But now they've added, um, and I kind of talked to you about this on Monday, Olympic weightlifting has expanded quite dramatically. Now they've added uh, American Open Series. What did I do? 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, American Open Series. So they have Series 1, 2, and then they have the finals. So now what they've done is they've made the, the, the qualifying totals a lot lower for the first and second series, but you still had to have mm-hmm. the actual qualifying total to go into the championship of the American Open. But if you, you get ranking points in the first two American Opens, so you could qualify just based off of your ranking points to go to the American Open final. I thought that's been pretty cool for a couple of reasons. One, it gives people who have lower totals an easier way of entry because the totals are pretty, pretty light in all honesty. Yeah. It gives you an opportunity as an Olympic weightlifter where I found challenging coaching a pretty good one is you only get so much platform time. And the hardest part of Olympic weightlifting, mm-hmm. in my opinion, is performing. You have six attempts <laughs> and you have to perform that mm-hmm. at the highest level yeah. with the most intense you know, and you're opening with your 95% of your max. Okay. So, uh-huh. and you know, it's, you have one day to do that. We already know that a max today and a max tomorrow are completely fucking different just depending on sleep, yeah. rest, all that, and everything that goes into it. So I think they've done a really good job of expanding that and allowing other people to dabble inside of a competitive series with the hopes of progressing as weightlifters. And I think that's something that they done and now CrossFit has done with these sanctional events where they no longer have regionals. So now you have other ways you can try to qualify on a different level. And then you can mm-hmm. actually, it's a segue to games. So in essence, it's, they're expanding that. And I think that'd be cool with powerlifting. If, if you would have these lower totals that the big dogs still are there because they totaled out, but you get to go and compete mm-hmm. along the side of them, just like these other athletes that, go to the American open, they get a lift with the best lifters in the world. They're just in a different session. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Olympic weightlifting has always been much better organized than powerlifting. Um, and again, it's, it's smaller sport by participation. Um, I would agree. And so it's, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a much smaller sport by participation, but the advantage of that is that, you know, you're dealing with less people. It's a lot easier to keep them mm-hmm. okay. kind of directed in, in the same area. But you look at it too, like with lower participation, with less money in the sport overall, they've made a lot more out of the dollars that they do have to create platforms for their lifters that feel, uh, you know, grandiose and that feel prestigious mm-hmm. uh, and that you know so they've given people something to chase and something to strive for versus the attitude and powerlifting has been for so long you know well no one cares so none of the meat directors really put in any time to make the meats any better for the crowd or to make the meats feel special for the athletes mm. and everyone falls back on well, no one else is doing it, so why should I be the one that bothers? It's like, well, because since no one else is doing it, if you were the one that bothered, you would quickly yeah. crush your competition. I was say you'd crush it. Yeah. What's yeah. keeping people from uh, like, yeah, it then? Yeah, that, 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 that's what I was going to bring up. What bro's saying, like, what is why hasn't there been an organization to come forward? Is it just because there's too many federations? Is there too much division? Is it would it would it would it require too much uh, cooperation? <laughs> Um, at this point, it, it would just, 
and again, I say all this, I'm literally working on, on multiple projects, uh, sort of around this, but, um, it, it just takes someone who is focused and someone who is not trying to exploit the lifters mm. it, and, you and know, create a platform it, for them just to perform in essence. Right. Right. It's just a selfless it, organization. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. thought that'd be a so selfless. It, it sounds really simple. Yeah, a selfless but organization. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just, even just a, a few, you know, creating a, uh, like a worldwide league or something is hard, mm-hmm. but even just a few, you know, good, well-run events where, you know, um, where they, I, I've been involved with an event. Um, it'll be coming up later this year. And one of the big things that I've done is I've, I've, you know, approached it asking people at every turn asking the competitors you know what are the things you'd like to see what are the things that make it better for you what are the things that would make it you know easier for you what if we did this how would that affect you you know trying to get feedback and trying to present you know different ways of doing things not being just totally constrained into the the way that it's always been done what's the common thing that they say like the most, the most sought after thing that the competitors want to see. Um, the, one of the biggest things is consistent judging. Okay. Um, cause that came up in your film, which people were hating. Yeah. That, that comes up in the film. Um, and you know, say again, like, uh, in working with the NFL, um, you know, the NFL has, they have consistent referees. They have not last you know, year. <laughs> last year, not so much. But well, I, I mean, in terms <laughs> yeah, of having having a consistent roster, right. uh-huh. and then they actually do put in a fair amount of resource. Now, in my opinion, also the NFL does, you know, not a great job at this. That relative to what they could do, they could very easily do better. They could make the referees full time, mm-hmm. uh, but they would rather save like three hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, Cause I'm sure they have budgetary constraints. Well, yeah. Goodell's making 50 million a fucking year. Of course. he. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They would, they would rather, you know, add a, a point zero something to their billion dollars of profit, <laughs> you know, their multi-billion dollars of pure profit every year. Um, but all that being said, you know, if, if say if you watch hard knocks or something, when there's always that episode where they scrimmage with the team, mm-hmm. And when they scrimmage, they have referees out there mm-hmm. and the referees are in those scrimmages because there are rule changes every year. Oh, every right. year they have rule changes. They have committee. They, they talk it over. Um, so it's preseason for them really, as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's preseason for them. And, and so that's a, money. that's a, and they make money and that's, but that's an education period as well that they can you know, they can pull the coach aside and say, Hey, you know, this year we're really, you know, I know that we've never really emphasized that before, but we're really going to emphasize offensive linemen being downfield this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tell 66, he's yeah. coming too far out. Here's your condition. And period. so they, yeah. right. So they, they get at, they try and get everyone on the same page before they ever step out onto the field with paying customers mm. before they step out into a public arena. 
the ACC does the same thing. The SEC, you know, all the, all the collegiate ranks, you go to a spring game, they have actual referees from that league, mm-hmm. you know, from that conference who are going to be officiating games in the fall. Same thing when they, you know, and they'll be at the spring game, but they'll also be at the scrimmage the week before mm-hmm. and the scrimmage the week before. So everyone's, you know, and then they're submitting those tapes to a higher up, you know, mm-hmm. panel of review. head yeah. referees who are, who are then going over with the individual refs and saying like, okay, see you, you missed this call or mm-hmm. you called that and really that's not what the intent of the rule, you know, they're trying to, and again, those are complex sports. Yeah. They're in the real those time. Are way more complex. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there that's, you know, four or five guys trying to watch 22 players running. Yeah. And then powerlifting is, you know, three refs sitting around watching one participant. Mm. And yet you go to a meet and, you know, some federations you have to get training, you know, sometimes that some federations you have to go renew your training, Mm -hmm. but a lot of federations, a lot of meets, you know, the judges are just three people who the, the guy running the meet could convince to sit in a chair for eight hours (laughs) and they're watching Again, the the whole the guy running the meet is like I got to get 120 people through this yeah. because that's how I make my money. Mm-hmm. So you know you're you got three guys who are working for like a couple slices of pizza. They're tired. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be there. And now they're watching. They just don't care. Mm-hmm. And then you've got really poorly written rules. The mm-hmm. rules haven't been updated. You know the phrasing of the rules. The hip crease. You know, like that seems really simple, but what are we talking about with the hip crease? Are we talking about where the hip crease extends to? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about where the hip crease starts? Cause those are that that's the difference of an inch right there in terms mm-hmm. of depth, but it's the hip crease, not the singlet crease. <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're fat, you might have more creases. Yeah. You know, you might have better <laughs> defined creases. If you're skinny, it might not really be a crease. But beyond all that, if you're wearing a singlet, you literally cannot see any of these creases. Mm -hmm. So why are we like, and the top of the knee, that's not a medical term. What's the top of the knee? Mm -hmm. How many, how many inches up the, up the femur, how many inches up the quad? Like, where is that cutoff? And you can't see the knees either because they're wrapped or they're in sleeves, you know? So a kneecap, that's a, that's a, that's a thing. You can find that on a, on an anatomical diagram, mm-hmm. you can't find half these half these terms that powerlifting manuals and rule books use. You're physically unable they're to poorly see them. defined. Yeah, yeah, they're not. There's no precision. And in other sports, you know, they they go, okay, well, we got to add some precision to that to that uh, to that wording. Yeah, yeah, because other sports, it's a big, you know, it's it's a legal problem. Because people bet on sports oh. and money is made and lost and people get bonuses and, you know, like all this stuff happens and you have to be able to, you know, millions of dollars are on the line, hmm. you know, between who wins and loses. That's very you interesting have have, point. Yeah. So you have to, you know, the NFL, the NCAA, they pay tons of attention to the wording of rules because you can't have, you know, or you can't have referees often grossly misinterpret rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 
they, they don't say in the NFL, you know, they don't say, well, today we're going to make you go three yards deep to get a touchdown. Yeah. It's break the plane uh-huh. and they have diagrams and, you Cameras know, and then you and, look at, yeah. yeah. And then you look at the diagrams for say any powerlifting federation, cause they all use the same exact diagrams from the early seventies. And they say, you know, the hip crease and then the diagram is really a very little help because it is so imprecise Mm -hmm. and it shows what it shows is a good squat is the hip crease breaking parallel by, or, you know, breaking depth by an inch and a half. And you go like, well, a super heavyweight, their hamstring is going to be on their, their ankle Mm -hmm. and they're still not going to, that, that might not look the same of skin isn't going to ever look like that. But their hip, their joint, the joint of their hip in relation to the joint of their knee will by the intent of the rule look correct. Uh, and then of course, if they wear gear, the fold of that gear is mm-hmm. going to be different than the fold of a singlet would be. Makes it that and they squat really wide. Yeah. They squat really wide. What most people look at when they look at a squat is they look at, you know, if you go look at a geared squat online and you go look in the comments, it does. No one's looking at the hip. No one looks at the hip or at the, at, you know, the hip in relation to the knee. They look at how deep does the knee bend, you know, which has nothing to do with whether it qualifies as a squat because your hip can always be over your knee and yet your knee can be, you know, at an acute angle. You can fold up like a lawn chair and have never broken depth and you can do a, you know, a good morning while you're down there and the bar will move two and a half feet and you've never done a squat. Yeah. Or you can have really, you know, really efficient technique and you know, break parallel or, you know, break what should be considered a squat where the, the joint of the hip dips below parallel with the joint of the knee, mm-hmm. but your feet are out wide, your shins are, you know, past a, you're at a, an obtuse angle from your, you know, your, your shin to your femur, uh, and your, totally upright and your feet are, you know, eight feet apart and it's a beautifully efficient movement. You, you move all the weight in the world and everyone goes, Oh, that's not a squat. That's not a squat. But mm-hmm. the next guy comes up with sloppy form, right. Leaning forward yeah. and does not go as deep. But, his hips don't go as deep in yeah. relation to his knee and everyone loves it. I was going to say that because no one go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and that's what happens when you have a sport where everything is sloppily written Mm. and there's no attention paid to the literal verbiage of the sport. There's no precision and there's a resistance to any sort of evolution is that over time it creates such rampant uh, opportunity for variance of opinion. Mm. And it it just breeds this like weird cynicism into the, the fabric of the sport. It kind of sounds like boxing to me. And I used to follow boxing a lot when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had all these really good marquee boxers. And I knew them in different weight classes. Well, now there's fucking 10,000 weight classes. <laughs> there's so many different belts yeah. that people are going for. So two guys are fighting. They each have three belts and three different federa- you know, you know, federations. Yeah. You don't know who they yeah. are. They lost continuity. And then out of that, they get these uh, really bad judging decisions that are always controversial that are fueled by money. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why boxing died and why MMA really replaced boxing. It wasn't because 
MMA was new, I think it was clear and concise, you know? Yeah. There was three weight classes. Yeah. There were, actually, there was no weight classes at first, <laughs> but then they started adding, Old school. you know, that's back when I did it. Yeah. And um, then they started adding in weight classes. Well, then you only have a couple weight classes, so you know who's sectioned. And they've made the progress where, say, there's five now, which is pretty legitimate because you give up mm-hmm. 10, 12 pounds in a fight. Yeah, it that's is, huge. That's yeah. huge as far as if you guys are equally skilled. And um, mm-hmm. well, I think that's why it, it took off the way it did is because it's clear, concise. The judging, there was really no bad judging. There was a couple of bad decisions, but that's human error. That can happen. And um, mm-hmm. But boxing just became this thing I used to love that I don't even – I don't even care to watch any. Yeah, I can't recall the last time I've watched a boxing match just because it's just gotten so ridiculous, you know, just with, with the judging yeah. and just, you know, at the end of a fight, you're like, did these judges watch the same fight that we all did? You know, it's kind of obscene sometimes. Yeah, and that's what, uh, again, that's what happens when there's not clarity and precision in terms of expectation. Yeah. So when we talk about sport in general with people mm-hmm. uh, displaying these, you know, crazy feats, like in your documentary, you know, there's multiple videos of people, you know, squatting thousands of pounds, you know, getting totals of 3000 pounds, even in CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know, golf, baseball, any, t- anything that uh, requires some amount of strength. Uh, the question of steroids always comes into play. Uh-huh. What, what, you know, well, what is the landscape? What is the culture? What is, how do steroids, are they viewed? in your particular community? I mean, is it one of those things? Do people talk about it or is it like a, a quiet kept secret or, you know, wh- how is it for you guys in your community? Um, well, again, I'm, I'm like barely in the community. Uh-huh. Um, I'm very, uh, I'm like an alien who's just come down to observe. <laughs> um, is that what they're doing? <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's some probing as well. I, I enjoy some probing. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> um, but, uh, within, within the community and the guys that I, I was around and spoke to, um, you know, they're, they're all pretty open about what they use and what they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really well educated on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, so in terms of making the movie, I just went from what I, you know, ultimately the, the sort of bias, the, the major bias in, in the film and in any film that I work on is what am I interested in? Mm-hmm. I don't really care about steroids. Okay. I don't really care about any, uh, any PED, um, from the standpoint of, the inherent purpose to me of any kind of physical, you know, uh, performance sport is absolute performance. Okay. If you're chasing absolute performance, then, uh, you should be allowed in my opinion, and you should be encouraged to do anything that will encourage or that will improve your performance on an absolute scale. Mm-hmm. If you're not trying to be the best in the world, don't take steroids. If you're trying to be the best in the world, do everything else first and then take steroids because they'll make you better. You know, like who, you know, like 
I'm going to be happier watching someone run a steroid aided hundred meter. <laughs> and the guy running it is going to be happier just for the it's a win-win spectacle. for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Look at the it, whole run like, race with the uh, McGuire and bonds. I mean, yeah. Everybody yeah. loved the seven year Base- runs. <laughs> yeah. Baseball went through all this to get rid of, to get rid of their PDs, you know, said, Oh, it's a problem. They got rid of it. And what happened? Their sport has never recovered from mm-hmm. a ratings perspective. They killed their sport. We're just watching it die slow now. Well, because you know, no one in the um, NFL uses steroids. <laughs> oh, when I was when I was at the NFL, they made a big push to get rid of steroids, and a whole bunch of players got popped. What happened? Ratings dipped. Mm. Yeah, you know, their players aren't the, playing. Yeah, right. They're, they're messing right. up my fantasy team. Yeah. I know Tom Brady's on it. That <laughs> motherfucker is going strong. <laughs> I hope he's on steroids. I hope they're all on steroids. And if they're not on steroids, I'm a little bit upset because you could be better and you're not. I'm I'm paying for ESPN. I'm paying for that cable subscription to nice. watch you perform. I want to see and you maximum could be better. performance. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you why would you risk it? Like go take whatever you can get away with. And on the other side, I will as loudly as I can uh, say as a fan (laughs) that these guys should all be allowed to take whatever the hell they want. If it makes them better, let them. And I've heard people, I say that and again, background on me. I've never taken any supplement higher than whey protein. Mm -hmm. I don't even take that anymore. I'm stronger than I've ever been. I can squat 600 pounds. I benched 415 to a half board the other day. I'm as strong as I've ever been. I train half acidly. <laughs> I just train like I just know my shit better now. Uh-huh. And you understand but, your body. Yeah. And it's like the third or fourth priority in my life. Uh-huh. I I train like twice a week and get stronger and I'm now in my 30s and I you know, yesterday I had firehouse for lunch. I had Moe's. I ate a bag of saltwater taffy. That was, you know, that's it. I'm what's my supplementation? Lifter, it's caffeine and sugar, you know, but like I've never drank alcohol. I've never smoked, you know, weed or a cigarette or any, like I've never done any drugs. I have no criminal record. Mm-hmm. I'm as clean as a whistle, but I'm not trying to be the best at any of that. Mm-hmm. If taking steroids, you know, made me a better storyteller, <laughs> I'd have a needle in my ass right now. <laughs> like, why not? That's fair. That's like, fair. I don't, I had, I had a family friend watch the movie a couple weeks ago. And he said the most profound thing to me afterwards. He's, he, he starts off, he says, now, now steroids. And he's a Southern lawyer who has no gym membership, his, his exercise regiment is every few days, he'll take one walk around the block mm-hmm. and then he'll tell everybody about it. Um, so this is again, not a guy from within the community or anything. Mm-hmm. He kept at, he kept saying, so, so do these guys take steroids? And I said, most of them, you know, the guy who wins, the guy who loses and everyone in between, they're pretty much, they're, steroids, they're, yeah. they're all taking steroids. And he goes, so are you allowed to? And I said, well, in all the competitions that I followed, you are. And he goes, but they have competitions where you're not allowed to. I said, yeah. And he goes, why does anyone lift in those? 
It's a fair question. Yeah. yeah. And I, I said, well, what do you mean? Like, cause I was expecting him to go like, they allow you to cheat. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, they allow you to take steroids. Why would you lift in a competition where they don't? Mm-hmm. Why, why would you compete in a place where they don't allow you to take steroids? And I said, well, I guess maybe cause you don't take them. And he goes, but steroids help make you stronger. Right. I said, yeah. He goes, so you can lift more weights. Theoretically, mm-hmm. the guy who lifts or who takes steroids can lift more weight than if he didn't. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. And he goes, so if you're a power lifter, why would you compete in a place where they don't let you do something that will make you better at your sport? Mm-hmm. And I said, like, I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. Well, I bring it and up. And he said. Oh, go ahead. No. But this is a guy, he, you know, and then he says, you know, like, uh, he said something else where then he mixed up the term. He didn't even know, like, again, this dude didn't know what a deadlift was. Mm-hmm. He didn't know what a squat was. He's, he's throwing his hands around and miming all these things to me. And mm-hmm. they're like, half of them are not movements that have anything to do with the sport. And, and he's just like, this just, to him, it was like the clearest thing in the world. He's like, the whole point of you doing this stupid thing is that you lift the most weight. Mm-hmm. So why would you, why, why would, would you not, waste all that yeah. time? If it's allowed. And, yeah. Yeah. He just, it's like, it's a waste of time. Like, why would you, because you could you just go to the beach, just go get <laughs> drunk, do anything. He's, you could literally do any, he said like, no one likes what you're doing anyways. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, like max out, aren't you trying to be the best? It's like, otherwise, like what's, he's like, no one goes and plays football to only be kind of good. True. Just like, they want to be the best that they can be. So it's like, if there's such a clear cut, obvious relationship, why aren't you doing them? I don't really know. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the thing in CrossFit, I thought was unique. The, the, the very last documentary that they did, I think it was the fittest on earth. Like I believe. Um, yeah. When Ricky Garrard, he ended up getting third at CrossFit Games. He got, he tested positive. And um, mm-hmm. right before that, I don't know if you've watched it, but I thought he was funny yeah. because Castro was saying no one would ever podium using steroids. And mm-hmm. I'm like, how fucking naive are you? Like, I'm in CrossFit, okay, where I don't promote steroid use. But I'm also not naive yeah. that people are using it. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have been popped in usually, every sport. Usually in CrossFit, they get popped in, at other meets like weightlifting or some other sanctioned meet where they test, and then they get hit in CrossFit as well. And uh, I don't know. I don't understand why a lot of people can't believe that the out of the top thirty athletes in the world on both sides, that fifty percent of them aren't using. I don't know why that's such a, a huge disbelief. Yeah. Well, and again, to go back to baseball, baseball, everyone, you know, for years, people went like, oh, but they're on steroids, but they're on steroids, but they're on steroids. The second baseball gave a damn about them actually being on steroids, what happened? Yeah. All those people who watched and complained, they all turned off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I- you know, like they were, they were more happy complaining about it and watching it happen. Right. And they were watching a purified version of the sport. They didn't like the purified version. 
but there's just always going to be pitch. Yeah. yeah there's always going to be people who bitch and moan They're like and you're never going to satisfy them and those people the people who bitched and moaned <laughs> they weren't really watching to begin with yeah. like those it's a it, again it's like an economics thing like if you it, you're not gonna there's just certain people that no matter what your your field is there's certain people you're never going to get you know, like don't destroy your product to try and get someone mm. who is ungettable okay right and the whole reason anyone cares about steroids is because of cold war propaganda it doesn't just start calling them something else <laughs> like call it anything else you know now they got sarms or whatever you know like uh-huh. they got synthetic steroids that are better or worse or whatever the hell they are but just just brand them as something different and you know make them like a chewable capsule <laughs> and put put, put a little, little animated figure on there and we'll call it a day yeah well that's yeah thing. like in crossfit you know absolute strength isn't doesn't win you the games absolute strength doesn't but what does is your recovery the more training right. days you can stack on top of each other the the longer you can train harder mm-hmm. that's where crossfit uses the steroids to its advantages you know you get some of the blood doping increasing the blood cells for the oxygen mm-hmm. purposes that's that's where crossfit kind of that they don't, i don't believe they do it for the strength purpose because it's you may test a max, you may not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just because just like yeah. cyclists and runners, same and just, kind yeah, of concept. Yeah, just because you're strong doesn't mean you can still cycle a barbell as good as someone who's not on it. So I think that's why there are definitely right. clean athletes um, in the sport still that w- don't need um, steroids. But for the people who are fringe athletes, that's mm-hmm. who I see as the steroid use- users in CrossFit who may have finished. Yeah, but that's... But that's why I say like the whole the whole argument of of steroids and why people are even theoretically upset about it is because they see it as 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 cheating. Well, Mm -hmm. it's only cheating if. It's limited access, right? If everyone's allowed to use it and everyone's encouraged to use it, like if there's a guy right now who's winning CrossFit or is even placing top, if there's a guy at the CrossFit Games who can compete with everybody else and be clean. I'm pissed off. <laughs> Why the fuck isn't he like, how much use better the damn can steroids be? then? Yeah. Yeah. How much better can Matt Fraser be? If- yeah. If someone, you know, if Usain Bolt ran a 959 steroid free, I'm angry. <laughs> I want to see, eight, seen nine. someone break. Yeah. We could have seen someone break nine, five, do you know how much longer we're going to have to wait until someone comes around with the freak genetic ability that that guy had with that kind of like neural and muscular capacity put into that perfect of a frame? Yeah. We might have to wait 30 or 40 more years for another human to come around like that. That I might be dead by then. I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You robbed me of the... Freaking how can Usain you sleep Bolt. at night? Yeah, how dare you? Oh, that's hilarious, man. No, you that's... owe it to me as a member of society. To, you had a to you had a gift from limits. God. Exactly. No, that's an interesting view. I, I like that aspect of it. I don't I don't care if people do or do not. Um, but my, don't bitch but, when you get popped. My, that's, yeah. my, that's my biggest advocate. Like when you get hit and you get caught, 
shut the fuck up. Yeah, like just, you, you, you got me. You, got you me. chose yeah. that. That's yeah. okay. Just like, yeah, I did it. Okay. Now what? Like, See you in three years. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take yeah. my band and yeah. And yeah, I, that's my biggest thing is like, you know, yeah. use it. Cool. I just, I just don't understand why, why like, uh, again, I don't understand why CrossFit tests for it. <sighs> I don't know. I don't understand. I, th- I don't know. Cause no one actually cares. Yeah, There's I, no one who turned off the TV because <laughs> somebody got popped for, for steroids no, and CrossFit. No, you're absolutely right. You know, when they'll, you know, when they'll turn off, they'll turn off when the CrossFitters start looking like the guy is sitting on the couch, then they'll turn off. The yeah. more jacked they are, the leaner they are, the, the crazier it gets, they'll be more excited for that. Yeah. It's like that gladiator type aspect. We want to see people do things that we can't do on a huge right. stage. Yeah. Right. And if you destigmatize it, you'll get less people bitching about, well, I could have done that if I only did those. Yeah. You would have worked out the extra five times a week. The steroids <laughs> allowed you to work out. That's what steroids are like, are, are like a kid saying like, oh, well, if I had done extra credit every day too, I would have gotten higher score on that test. <laughs> like it's no one wants to do more work. The, the guy who doesn't take steroids isn't compl- like, no one right is now, jealous. If I, if I did steroids, that'd be money wasted. To work more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I I totally agree. You know, people think, you know, if you take steroids or supplements, that it automatically it gives you superhuman strength. No, yeah. you still got to put the work in. Yeah. You still have to have that mentality. You still have to be train. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't make <laughs> right. you not fucking Wolverine. It gives you. It all gives you really expensive piss if you don't do anything. <laughs> That's true. Like, true. Just, Good point. So there was one phrase about halfway through the documentary that uh, was mentioned. Uh And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was the price of steel. Yeah. And what uh, the narrator was referring to, Ron Perlman, by the way, if you guys haven't Uh figured that out, uh, Vincent or Hellboy, depending on how old you are. um, Yeah. He talks about that. And the athletes in the show talk about that in the respect of, for some of the weights that they're lifting, they could suffer a serious injury should something go wrong in the middle of that lift. And that mm-hmm. they talked about the mentality that you have to have going in there, knowing that you could probably die if something went catastrophically wrong. And so can you share a little bit about what you observed and where that comes from, that, that, that mentality, that thought process? Yeah. Well, uh, the exact phrase was the price of the iron The price of the iron. I apologize. Um, yeah, but, um, The the idea is not just that uh, I believe that's when AJ Roberts is talking about um, sort of what led him to to quit the gym and what led him to step away from from geared powerlifting was uh, he squatted twelve hundred pounds he squatted twelve oh five and then the next day he goes to he goes to breakfast with Louis you know everybody Louis would buy breakfast for everybody at at Bob Evans for the morning crew. Mm-hmm. He still does it. Um, you just have to get there at, you know, they train at seven. So you have to get there at six, mm-hmm. you know, eat, just go fill your gut with sausage and eggs <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then go, go do. Yeah. Then go do a crazy squat workout with Chuck Vogelpool, um and throw up the sausage and eggs <laughs> in the parking lot. Um, and do it again two days later, because that's, that's the culture of the gym. 
But uh, you're saying, you know, he 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 squatted, you know, twelve oh five, and he was three hundred and thirty pounds. Sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah, he had sleep apnea. He was on the edge. Yeah, yeah, he'd wake up choking. He had developed severe paranoia. Um, so you know, it's not really, it's not really the lift. It's everything that goes into the lift. It's, it's, it's the idea, you know, and again, to go back to the steroid thing, like people go like, oh, well, isn't that dangerous? Aren't steroids dangerous? Oh, being 300 pounds is dangerous. Yeah. Crossing the street is dangerous. I mean, danger is relative. Yeah. Well, no, but more dangerous is being 300 pounds. Agreed. Cause these, I mean, AJ Roberts is probably five eleven. Mm-hmm. you know, so to be three thirty and five eleven, and Louie tells him, you know, well, I think you could squat twelve sixty five or twelve seventy if you got if you your weight up to three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. If you got up to three fifty and he's going, I'm barely like able to function. You know, I'm falling asleep all the time. I'm, I'm not sleeping well when I do, I'm, I stop breathing, uh, you know, like, and again, like the gym has had multiple people die of, you know, a lot of lifestyle related, you know, weight related mortality and morbidity. Yeah. Yeah, It's not, you're, you're literally shortening your life Mm -hmm. for a lot of these guys to lift what they're going to lift, you know? Uh, but that's the same as, you know, again, I come from a football background. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the same as, you know, you want to be a 320 pound offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. There's a price cool. to pay for Statist- that. Yeah. yeah. Statistically, you're going to die at about 51 from diabetes, mm-hmm. you know, like it's funny you bring up that specific comparison because, uh, my oldest son, he's a division three football player. And that's a mm-hmm. really, uh, serious talk we had, uh, that summer before his freshman year, you know, he's a, he's a left tackle. I was like, look, dude, mm-hmm. you know. This is the pro- you know, this is the probability of you getting in the NFL as a D3 athlete. I was like, this is the probability yeah. of you getting a, a million dollar education and a great job afterwards. You know, let's leverage these mm-hmm. things. I understand you want to be at the top of your game, but let, let's have some balance here, dude. You know, and luckily he's, a, yeah. he's, he's much smarter than I am. And he understood the value of that conversation. And we, and we routinely revisit that. So, uh, no, I, I, I can totally sympathize with what you're, what you're saying yeah. right there. But it's, it's, I'll just say like, these guys are making those choices knowingly, like they know what they're getting into uh-huh. and it's worth it for them. Um, likewise for me, you know, like, uh, down the stretch, I wasn't sleeping. I was, you know, I developed a stomach ulcer and coughed up blood. And then, uh, of course all the stuff that happened, like those 48 hours before the movie comes out mm-hmm. and then the months that followed, yeah. you know, None of that, none of that making movies isn't healthy. It's an unhealthy process. The very first movie that I worked on, our director had to go to rehab because he was on the brink of organ failure from stress. Holy smokes. Wow. And that was, yeah. And that was a, uh, that was a health documentary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, you know, there's so many things in life that are, if you pursue any goal to an extreme, you are, yeah, you are purposefully unbalanced you're you're creating a purposeful imbalance in your life that you have to be willing Uh, to understand and accept yeah yeah and there's there's nothing wrong with that so long as you're honest with yourself about it Mm -hmm. you know most people who they they 
complain about steroids or they complain about the gear or they complain about this or that it's they're they're complaining to justify the fact that they didn't choose to pursue something mm-hmm. as extreme and, and it's interesting that which you is say strange that. yeah because as i as i watch the film and you hear these athletes talking about their history in the sport like i mm-hmm. i had a lot of respect for them in their choices because they knew they were walking into that valley of death you know kind of like like louis talks at the very beginning and they willingly mm-hmm. continued to participate in this lifestyle knowing that there are risks involved and, you know, yeah. it, it might not be something I'm interested in, but I have to respect people that are willing to make those kinds of sacrifices for the love or the, the particular passion that they have. Mm-hmm. Well, I was because most people. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, bud. Oh, well, I was going to say most people, you know. The thing that I really respect is that they're making those they're making those decisions, they're making those um, sort of sacrifices, uh, as a choice, mm-hmm. they're willingly doing it. Yeah. No they're one's holding a gun to cogn- the head. Yeah. Yeah. They're cognizantly doing it. Um, there's a guy who was at West side shortly after we stopped filming. Um, and who is now at a uh, Laura Phelps's gym down in Cincinnati, Anthony Oliveira. Um, and he has a, a he's, sort of famous for saying like he has a a line of shirts and stuff that say like, this is a, uh, this is not a sacrifice. This is a choice, Mm -hmm. you know, as in like, you're not hardcore because you did powerlifting. Like you chose to do that shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not, not saving the world. You know, you're not saving your family. (laughs) Like this is at the end of the day, like it's probably a very selfish decision, Mm -hmm. you know, but there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with the decision itself you're making a choice and it's uh, the sort of admirable part of that comes from so many people don't make a choice Mm -hmm. and they allow life to make all the choices for them. Mm -hmm. So there is, there is something noble about the idea that these guys chose to, to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's, there's a consequence and they're all well aware, you know, um, you know, Greg Panora, after he left the gym, he had a, a massive stroke. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Louis has nearly died several times, yeah. which, um, he, which he openly discusses on the documentary. Yeah. But it, but so many other people, you know, like they're letting something else, Dictate. you know, kind of kill them yeah. or they're letting something else just siphon off their time mm-hmm. and, you know, giant chunks of their life that mm-hmm. they're not going to get back. So the, the sort of noble aspect of it comes from these guys are making what is ultimately a very unpopular choice to do something that, uh, they, uh, that, you know, it might be destructive, but the destruction is at least in their hands. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I talked to you on Monday about that. I love the mentality of the power lifters and the mm-hmm. fact of, you know, if you watch the film, people, you said some people made the comment, some, they're, they're crazy or whatever. I think you have to mm-hmm. have a mentality to 
do something that is dangerous. I mean, it really is dangerous yeah. in, in the grand scheme of things. If you go in timid, you're gonna get you're gonna hurt yourself. If you go in worried about something, you're gonna hurt yourself. So it's a matter mm-hmm. of getting that mentality of, you know, I'm gonna attack this and I'm gonna crush it, you know, and you still may not crush it, but you have to have that mentality. And where it's a little different from CrossFit, we we need that same mentality. But like I was telling you, we won't risk um, uh, two weeks of training for. Well, if you if you if you pull up in a workout and you start feeling a tweak somewhere, we're not going to push the envelope to finish that workout, okay? Because we mm-hmm. want, we want your capacity to stay up, and I know that if we push it, you could be out even longer, especially if it's been nagging. We're in powerlifting. Yeah. They're going to, you know, they're getting out of fucking getting their knee scoped and Louis spraying <laughs> blood everywhere <laughs> because he's under, yeah. you know, five, 700 pound back squat. Yeah. The day after he got a knee scope. Yeah. So it's just, I, I yeah. love, I love, I, I love the mentality of that athlete. And I would, you know, I like that to apply some to some of our athletes, <laughs> but mm-hmm. <laughs> we definitely won't go to that extreme. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that. That also kind of goes to, you know, like, yeah, Louie, Louie was never hesitant to blow anything off um, in the gym to prove a point. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, Louie's also aware, though, that when he's doing that, it's not about making him better. You know, he's oftentimes he's doing that to set a tone and to set a precedent I was say that. for the he's, other guys. He's leading fight. from the front. Yeah. Yep. 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 I agree. Yeah. yeah. Even at 70 and plus sometimes years old. pushing those guys to, you know, he'll sacrifice himself. If you are. It, yeah. To, to get that guy to push further than he's comfortable. Um, to, you know, really fuck him up one day. Mm-hmm to push him to a place that he didn't know that he could go. Yeah. Right. Uh, so even though it set him back physically, the, the mental lesson, mm-hmm. you know, was, was worth that. That's sacrifice. what, that's yeah. That's what justifies the cost physically. And, you know, I, um, I got that from the film and it's honestly something mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, I don't think he, he's that out there, you know, when um, I thought the interesting was when he said he felt his knee shift forward, on the squat mm-hmm. and he felt it happen on the previous squat, previous squat. And someone said, hit another, he's like loaded up. Mm-hmm. He knew what yeah. he was risking, but at the same time, he didn't want to look, you know, he didn't want to bitch out in front of his training partner and look for an excuse not to load. Cause if you said, Hey, my knee is feeling weird. You're like, I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it would have set a different yeah. mentality for that yeah. gym. And, and, that and, it, it looks yep. like he, he misses mm-hmm. that mentality of the the trainer or the the athletes there from the old school. Yeah, you would consider to the new school of at all costs. I'm going to hit this fucking yeah. weight, and in doing so, by pushing himself beyond those boundaries, knowingly that, that in ter- knowingly that in turn uh, set a tone to the tribe that you're not allowed There's to no quit. Excuses. There's yeah, no, excuses. no excuses. Yeah, you know, right. Now I don't think right. you should have taken also- it that extreme <laughs> to blow your patella tendon out, but, but yeah, uh, definitely point taken. Yeah, from the outside yeah. is you know because I see it sometimes. Sometimes people look for an excuse not to train when they really could exactly. train, and I think that's the precedent he's trying to set. Is you know maybe he didn't have to blow his patella tendon out, but um, 
at the same time, you don't want people to not train when they're feeling messed up because mm-hmm. athletes that I work with, when they're in the middle of a workup for, uh, let's say we're in a training camp working up to a bigger event, they're going to be tired. They're going to be sore. There's going to be days where they don't feel like they can give their 100%. They're going to be beat up and they don't want to train. Well, you, you got to because we still got to get it in. And even though you're only 80% today, I need 100% of your that 80%. 80%. Yep. And a lot of times instead of yeah. them like backing out of that and trying to find a reason not to, that's what I got from all that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's also the idea that, you know, like Louis, Louis was never the prized lifter at his own gym. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he, from very early on, you know, and when he was training in the garage, there were seven people. All seven were national champions. Louis was the last of the seven to become a national champion. Um, so he was always he was always training people to be better than him. So there was there was also that sense of like, you know, this is a sport where danger is always there. Mm-hmm. Something can you know when something goes wrong, it can go wrong very fast. Uh, it's a very slight movement that causes something to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and you can't, you, you can't be fearful. You can't be, you know, afraid of it. Mm. Um, he does want you to be smart. He, he doesn't want you to get injured, but if someone's going to get injured, he wants it to be him. Mm-hmm. So right. he doesn't, yeah. you know, he wants it to be him because he knows that, that he'll come back, mm-hmm. you know, and he did it over and over again. He knows that he'll deal with whatever the cost of that injury is. Right. But he doesn't want you as a better lifter. Mm. You know, he's trying to get a world record out of you. He's not trying to get a world record out of him because he doesn't have that potential. Right. So he doesn't want you to, you know, he's working with guys who had better form than him, who had better technique, who had better ability. And he doesn't want to set any kind of precedent that he'll stop them mm-hmm. if he sees something. Yeah, He doesn't want them to be the ones that stop yeah, them. He's going to be the one to jump on that grenade, you know, with that group of people. Yeah. As a, as right. a owner and, and coach, you know, it's, it's definitely, I'm not in the best shape of my life <laughs> uh, as that, but I don't, I sacrifice anything and everything for everyone else because it's not my job to be in the best shape of my life. It's my job to right. become more knowledgeable and kind of work towards that and um, and pass that along to other people and stop them before they do do something stupid to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, not because not because they're being a little bitch, but because I want them to be able to train tomorrow or yeah. in the next two days or we have something more important coming up than this one single workout. So it definitely can be frustrating yeah. to – especially when you program like Louie does, you know, you go out and you want to hit your mm-hmm. own shit and you do, and it, it crushes you mm-hmm. and you're like, well, shit, <laughs> I can't even do what I'm programming for you to do, but I'm also not always in the best shape to do what I program because that's not your job anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can be frustrating. Yeah. I'm sure it's a, and cause, you know, you like to get it in with your, your crew and you like to you know, get after it and get after, you know, chase the guys that are you know, pushing it it sucks when you hear out the rabbit anymore. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for listening to the One More Rep Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at One More Rep Podcast, or on Twitter at Can I Get One More, or shoot us an email at Can I Get One More at gmail.com.